Hey everyone, I'm Jackie Harry. Welcome to The Sphere. Sit back and relax. With each podcast, I take you into real, everyday types of conversations that I have with regular people. I invite spirit in, into our sacred space, into our conversation, and you're going to get to see and enjoy and experience live, right alongside me, the types of insights, ahas, and discoveries that naturally happen when spirit is a part of the conversation. Joining me in the sphere today is Gail Crample of Lethbridge, Alberta. So Gail is a retired nurse who spent her career in the nursing industry, um, was a an RN, had done her thesis curiously on phenomenology, which which is really around intuition, okay? And um had spent years teaching within the nursing industry. Part of what I find so fascinating about this conversation is that it touches on an area, the medical industry, that is so, so based in science. Now, if you've been in spiritually, spirituality for a while, you may have heard or begun to see little hints and clues and rumblings that science and spirituality are really one and the same thing. And the thing that I find really curious, really intriguing, is that as science advances and starts entering into quantum physics and things along those lines, they're actually beginning to dabble into play in the realm of the soul, the realm of spirit, the realm of intuition and intuitive and psychic and spiritual experiences, which is phenomenal because that is going to open up space for more and more conversations like this where we have lost faith or hope or there's this been this disconnect between our spirituality our soul and life and this feeling of being tuned in tapped in connected we're finally arriving at the point where the bridge is being built So Gail and I, this is our first conversation ever. I didn't know her from a hole in the ground. And oh my God, I'm telling you, chills over this conversation. We touch on so many things that are just fascinating. This is a woman full of really powerful and intriguing and moving stories right off the floor of her nursing career. Man, I'm telling you, this podcast episode is going to change the way you see spiritual. It's going to shift the way that you listen to your inner knowings. Welcome into this episode. Sit back, relax, get comfortable, and let's dive into the sphere together. I think we're all craving space to explore 
the great mysteries, the curiosities, the things that we all know sit there, but nobody wants to talk about, you know? <laughs> oh, I know. And, and that was one of the reasons I agreed to this was because when I listened to your first podcast, I think it was in your first one, one of them, um, you spoke about the throat chakra. Mm. And I thought, yeah, my throat chakra was shut down so many times over so long that pretty soon it just shuts down completely. Mm. And so it's, it's it was like, okay, this is an opportunity where I can speak and I don't have yeah. to worry about what I say, right? Yeah. I can just, I can just say some of those things. So Yeah. Awesome. That was yeah. one of the reasons I agreed to. The other one was uh in one of your podcasts, your intuition got brought up. And mm. when that happened, I thought, wow. Um, it reminded me of my thesis, which I did in 2007, which mm. is now 16 years ago. I can't believe it. But yeah. I spoke a lot about intuition, and intuition was, and wondering what is intuition. Yeah. That's one of the things that led me to do my thesis. And so that got me opening up my thesis, rereading it, bringing all those stories back to me. And it was like, I said to my husband, wow, I wrote this. Like, uh-huh. it was really good. But part of doing a thesis is they want you to share. And at that time, I think because my throat chakra had been sliced down so many times, I wasn't comfortable. Plus, I was so busy at that time Mm -hmm. in my life that I didn't share my theses with people. And Mm -hmm. what a shame, because it's got some great stories. Well, we are going to hold space for the beauty of what you wrote and what you studied and the questions that you asked right here in this space. I One of my favorite, favorite places to be in, and not everybody lets you be in this space. I feel like you're going <laughs> to, you're gonna, this might resonate for you too, is in the space of question, not questioning of something, right? A questioning of someone or something, but being in the space of question, like this place of, curiosity and I feel like our questioning in life was railroaded and squeezed in and boxed in where we were only allowed to ask or explore certain pathways or questions and oh I so let me just say this I like one when I looked at your your thesis I was like wait a second what I mean you totally blew a box open for me because when I, I I have sister-in-laws who are nurses, I know many women who are nurses. I know and have heard of one woman who is intuitive and a nurse. And that's not to say that all the nurses aren't intuitive, but I was shocked when when she started telling me about how she brings that into her work because I think like, and this could be partly my, my upbringing and my conditioning, I'm not sure, but... I feel like we live in a society or a culture right now where anything spiritual has been considered woo-woo and off-kilter and, like, it's not scientific 
is what the is what the thing has been and therefore we've not been allowed to ask questions or be curious or to openly discuss that kind of thing so i'm like when you shared your thesis i'm like what you did a thesis on that and that was like allowed and embraced like tell me i like how did you come into how did you come into that gail oh so many things but the the first I think the first incident was a story. And because I was a nursing instructor for many years, I told mm. a lot of stories. Because mm. stories allow people to interpret it in their own way, find meaning in it in their own way, and it helps them grow mm. uh, spiritually or in, in many ways. So rather than me lecturing, I would just tell a story that happened. So one of my first stories... I'd like to read read just from my thesis this quick story. And this yeah. is kind of what got me going on uh, what is intuition. So I was a really new nurse. I had very little experience. This would have been in the late 80s, I guess. And one day I had a client who was very sick. It was a woman, and a young woman, like just in her early 30s. And mm-hmm. a little voice kept telling me, phone the doctor, phone the doctor. And it kept growing to an overwhelming urge, and I couldn't deny it. Mm-hmm. And so I phoned the doctor, and the doctor said, well, the antibiotics would kick in soon, and the client would be all right. So he hung up. I tried to calm myself. However, that urge to do something kept growing inside me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was very scared, uh, restless, pacing. I did not know, I did not understand how I knew but I knew he had to come see that client right away. Mm-hmm. Well, I phoned him back again, and he told me I was crazy, and he hung up. What, really? So, yeah, he hung up on me. I sat there for a few minutes just dumbfounded. My insides were just wreathing with the force so strong. So I know I knew I had to phone him back again, and I didn't know what I was going to say. So mm-hmm. as soon as he picked up, before he could even speak, I told him I was just going to keep phoning him until he came. So he mm-hmm. swore at me, and he hung up. And so, you know, the t- I could feel the tears starting to come, so I got busy doing some charting. Pretty soon I looked up, and there he was in front of me, irritated as heck. But I ignored that, and I took him to see the, the client, the lady, and he examined her, and he immediately said, let's get her to the OR. And away they went, and uh, that awful force that had been attacking me, it instantly went away. Uh, A few hours later, uh, he came back to the floor. He came right up to me, and he said that that woman was full of gangrene in her bowel, and if he had not taken her to the operating room when he did, she would have been dead in a couple hours. He thanked me for persisting, and I was like, Oh, my God, what just happened to me? Wow. (laughs) You have no idea, like, crazy full-on chills through my whole body listening to this story. (laughs) Yeah, so I was, you know, and I don't don't know the woman's name. That woman Mm -hmm. will never know that I saved her life, you know, and that's, Mm -hmm. um, it's like that's what nurses do, right? Um, we save lives all the time. People don't know who saved their life most of the time. It was a nurse. <laughs> but yeah. it caught me thinking, well, how did I know that? 
I, I, the, like back then, when I graduated, our assessment skills consisted of vital signs. That's it. Yeah. And her vital signs weren't that bad. Her, she had a temperature, but other than that, they weren't right. that bad. So I didn't really have a way of knowing. And so it got me thinking, okay, how did I know? So that led me on a path that said, okay, I have to learn more. I have to learn more about health assessment. So that's when I started taking my degree in nursing. And in the degree program, we had a very, very thorough health assessment course. And then I learned how to do a really proper assessment. And it led me on this path, still trying to figure out, what's this intuition? What is it? Where did it come from? How did I know? How did I save her life? But my whole life I've been working on that. And we'll get to the answer in that later, but that's what one of the things that started me on that path. Uh. And and I thought, first off, I thought, well, if it's spirit, what is spirit? And as you know, spirit is defined as the vital principle or animating force within within living beings, our essence, mm. right? Mm. Mm. Yeah, and then I thought, well, what's spirituality? And so my thesis, I, after doing my thesis, I figured that out, that it's our relationship with ourselves, with others, and with transcending. And then what mm-hmm. is transcending? Well, we've all, I think, experienced transcending. It was really cool last night on TV. I saw a commercial mm-hmm. for a new uh, animated show that's coming oh, up. I don't even the remember the name. And the guy's playing the piano. Mm. and he transcends. And that happened to me so many times because I, I taught piano, I played the piano. And so mm. transcending is that which is above or beyond the limits of knowledge that can be perceived by the senses that we have. Mm. And, yeah, I'm like, okay, how does this uh, how does this happen, right? So that's what started me on it. And wow. it, it just grew from from there, my interest in it. And uh, and then there was another incident. Am I talking too much, Jackie? No. <laughs> no, no, not talking too much. It's beautiful. But I'm like so, I so have this invitation to pause. As, as people are talking, there's like just layers and layers within what you're saying. And I'm like, whoa, I want to slow you down. I have this question. I mm. This question sits here of, um, something that I just want to draw people's attention to is when you said, you said, like, I have this question. I thought you were a nurse when this all came about. Were you an LPN when this all no. came about? Because you said you did a degree in nursing. Right. Well, at that time, you just, you started with your RN. And so I was an RN, registered okay, so- nurse. But at, at that time, uh, a thorough health assessment course was not part of the RN. And um, when I did get on the staff, we fought very hard to get that part of the basic RN. But at the same time, uh, then things changed. So now, now an entry to practice is a BN, a Bachelor's mm-hmm. of Nursing. Okay. So, um, but at that time, it wasn't. It was an RN. Just, so, you know, um, there's things that sit here, like what what prompts me and so deeply and just moves me so deeply is one. I can't believe you had the freaking kahunas and the courage to phone that doctor. 
Oh, well, as a new nurse, yeah, I was scared. You know, and I got much better at that as years went by. And I've been sworn at lots of times. But um, I've really learned to, I've learned to listen to that intuition. And it helped me so much, like Oprah says. Oprah says it, too. You have to listen to it. And if you listen to the intuition, things go well. And if you don't listen to it, things do not go well. And after, you know, about 50 times of that, either one way or the other, then you learn, yeah, listen to yeah. your gut. Yeah, it's, it's a much easier path when we listen to it. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think there's this, um, I was having a conversation with a girlfriend of mine. We were talking about um, something that took place um, with one of her employees when when she um, hired a new person and just her reaction to this person. And I said, you know, what sparked this conversation between us around intuition and just I think there's this perception that intuition is only ever going to be positive, that it's never going to feel like this, you know, like an urge, yes, but but negative or um, that that would fill us with this scattered feeling, with this really unsettled feeling. I feel like there's this um, almost like we've cut out half the emotional body, half the emotional sensing or faculty, so to speak, and that we only will honor intuition if it shows up in a certain way, but not the other way, that somehow it shouldn't feel scary to follow our intuition or somehow it shouldn't feel like confrontational to follow our intuition. And in my own experience, like intuition at its strongest is often that moment of this incredible urge and it feels terrifying like it often feels terrifying to follow the hit of intuition and yet the it's just the intuition is speaking so strongly and I feel like there's this pause right there to just honor that and for people to know like it often feels really terrifying feels terrifying to question a doctor who was technically your superior in that moment oh for sure yeah Question you know, why, and twice I, you know, I was thinking about where did it even start before that 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 allowed me to honor those feelings? Because mm-hmm. as nurses, we're so science based. I mean, it's the art yeah. and science of nursing, right? But yeah. we're so science based that when things like that, at first you ignore it. You think, well, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But you learn after a time, no, it's not. We can't explain it, but it's there. So, But I have to tell you another story. This is when I was a nursing student, and this mm-hmm. is probably it's such an amazing experience. And, and I was on a psychiatry rotation, mm-hmm. and we were out in Claire's home at the care center. Mm-hmm. And it was a quiet day, and my client care was done. And... Um, so I decided to sit down and play the piano for the residents because the, the residents don't get to to hear that much. Yeah. And I was playing Hava Nagila, and that's a uh, Jewish uh, song, mm-hmm. I think. I'm not positive. <laughs> I'm not Jewish, so I can't say. But And I was really getting into it. it you know, my family knows I love to play Hava Nagila. Mm-hmm. So... I was getting into it, I was transcending, and I didn't know what was going on behind my back. And when I finished playing the song, I turned around, and I saw an elderly gentleman dancing. 
and the entire staff were standing there watching him with their mouths hanging open. And one of them shouted, keep playing. So I did. I kept playing. And then later, um, well, as I was playing, he started singing in a different language, which I didn't understand. But he was singing and he was dancing and he had this look of pure joy on his face. Mm. And later, the staff told me he hasn't walked or spoken in years. Wow. And I'm like, oh, my heavens, what? what wow. And, wow. and that's how I learned how important our passion is, our spirit, mm. that you have to find what moves people. And that was another thing that led me down this path of, okay, everybody's different, right? Mm. I mean, we all we all express our spirituality in different ways. Um, mm. I, mine is with music and with nature and wildlife. Um, my husband does wildlife photography, so we're out a lot walking in nature, mm. and um, and that's ours. But everybody's is different. And for this man, that song was just that was oh. it. So. Oh, that is incredible. You know, like you're taking me into so many different arenas and thoughts. It's beautiful. I have a call lined up with an artist um, here next this later this week and one of the things that I'm just aching to talk about with her and so it's so curious to me that it's coming up here within our conversation is there are moments um there's a moment when I trained as a priestess last year uh right at the beginning of that there was a woman who had been through that training the year prior and she shared this a uh, piece of artwork uh which she had that that is her calling so to speak her her bliss and her essence comes alive within creating artwork but it wasn't a picture of anything okay so what you need to understand about me is that <laughs> i am like i i love to paint wonderful and, and but when i paint it is not abstract it is not words it is nature scenes right so for me nature is something i gravitate towards which she painted that painting was weird weird strange foreign looking symbols and organized in a vertical up down kind of manner which obviously like our language is horizontal, right? It, the whole right. thing was really bizarre. But she shared this one picture. I didn't know this woman from a hole in the ground. Had never met her, had never talked to her, had never even seen her make a post before. And the one picture that she had taken out of, of this, because it was quite a, a large piece, um, is called the Song of Birth, this whole um, piece of art. And even if I start to talk about it, just start, it starts to make me emotional, even just thinking I can still see the image of the one piece of that. I just started weeping in that moment and there was something that moved me so deeply within that and that connected, right? That kind of, you can't make that kind of shit up, right? Like you can't yeah. make that up. That's right. You, you can't. can't. Make the no. moving. And it, that, yeah. you transcended in that moment, right? Yes. Yeah. yes. And so as you described, you know, like playing a piece of music, and this man getting up after years of not talking and not walking and all of a sudden dancing and singing is that, that, you know, I think where we look at things in life and think that in order to be successful, quote unquote, in life, that we need to be 
a doctor. We should be a, a, a lawyer or a, oh God, like a hockey player or this or that, that there's, there's like this, almost like this hierarchy that we've got built into life about what mean, what success is going to look like or, or will look like, and that it won't happen in the rest of the arenas. And what I know beyond a shadow of a doubt is that we each have a way of expressing our innate soul essence and our beauty in a way that will move and transcend somebody that can't be captured within a title that for somebody it's in photography that's for somebody it's in painting for somebody it's in their voice and their singing or within their playing the piano or whatever that is and it doesn't even need to be contained within the box of a career right that's right yes which makes me think of max another little story i have Mm. um southern alberta um i was working as a nurse and uh, we were on a unit, and there was uh, brain-injured people there. Mm. And we had Max. Max was an extremely large man, like huge, native mm-hmm. man. And he had had a brain injury, and he was very unpredictable. Mm. And so all the staff, including me, we were terrified of him. We were afraid mm-hmm. of him. He had mm-hmm. huge hands. Like it, one smack from him, you'd, you'd go flying. So everybody mm. was really afraid around him but one day you know how they have animal therapy Mm. these ladies came up with some animals and there was this tiny black baby rabbit and Mm. max wanted that baby rabbit Mm -hmm. well we are all standing around we're terrified we're afraid of what he's going to do with that baby rabbit right is he going to break its neck is he going to what's he going to do yeah But one of the ladies that came up, a volunteer, she didn't know Max at all. And she just went over and gave him the bunny. And we're all like holding our breath. But (laughs) Max, he took that baby bunny so gently and he began to softly pet it. Mm -hmm. And he held that baby bunny and he cared for it like it was his own flesh and blood. And he was so calm after that, as long as he had his bunny beside him. And he Mm. was so proud of his bunny. He would show everybody. And nobody feared him after that day. And it was like, wow, we just filled his spiritual needs with a baby bunny. And we didn't even know it. And so sometimes it's a chance encounter. Sometimes you don't know and you have to... Try things with people and yeah. with yourself. Some, it's yeah. a path of learning. What works for me? Some people like to read the Bible. Some yeah. people, like you said, like to sing. Um, mm. What sparks that passion in you? And that's what you have to go find. Yeah, what and, fills you with calm, with, yeah. right? That just absolute connection within self. And that that there is no right or wrong to any one path and that we're not all supposed to be on the same path. That's right. Yeah. Mm. That's for sure. You know, and so all of these things, I think, led me to um, to work on spirituality. I, but I think, and I had, I had um, finally decided that the the biggest spark 
what I called the birth of a question. Mm. Was, oh, I love that. The birth of a question? Yeah. Me, writing that down right in this moment. Uh, <laughs> um <laughs> Oh my gosh, pausing here just for a minute in the midst of our conversation to anchor in and integrate a little bit around transcendence. If you listened to the second podcast with Cheryl Polichuk, her and I fall into a conversation about Satori and this experience and what we were talking about there. If you recall, I was talking and sharing at the end of that conversation about how every religion, every practice, every culture has a word or a term that they use to describe this, okay? Satori, this moment uh, or period of enlightenment of absolute connection with all that is this is what gail is talking about this is the conversation we're having about around transcendence transcendence is this lingering out of time experience and it's induced organically Right? We can't force it to happen, but we can get really good at recognizing what practices, uh, what experiences, what environments support us to let go of the thinking mind and enter into stillness. Stillness within self. We could be in the midst of a conversation and still be in the zone, still tuned in. This is the magic of what Gail and I are talking about. At this point, I was on the floor. I was still working on the floor, and I was teaching clinical, and we had students. Mm. And this student was not mine, but she was preceptoring under another student. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to read you the story that I actually wrote right in my thesis. So it's called The Birth of a Question. It was early, very early. It was uh, 0650 in the morning. Uh, But it was very late for me and the others who were there all night working. It Mm -hmm. had been a busy night. There was no time for coffee break with the student who was doing her final practicum. And I remember thinking, that's okay. She will be done soon. It's very soon. She will be okay. I told myself this. I remember this. The narcotic count was out that morning. I heard them from the other side of the unit. Their voices were getting louder. Tension was rising. The student was being very defensive. They could not find the problem. I was busy charting. I remember thinking, why is this student so defensive? It isn't her fault. I told myself this. I remember this. The problem was not found. A narcotic was missing. I let it go. I went back to my charting to get it done, to go home, to go to bed. I remember thinking, this is new. We have always found the missing narcotic in the past. It isn't Mm -hmm. my fault. I told myself this. I remember this. I had a troubled sleep that day, not sure why. Maybe I was thinking about that lost narcotic. The next night, the student was not there. We tried to phone her. I remember thinking, I wonder why the student is not here. Maybe she's still sleeping. Maybe she just got mixed up. I told myself this. I remember this. 
We worked, we wondered. Someone said, I wonder what is going on with her. Morning came, finally. We never heard from a student. I remember thinking, something doesn't feel right. Something is not right. I told myself this. I remember this. We were charting again. We looked up. An officer was standing at the desk. He looked at us. We knew. We heard the words, and we felt the pain. The student was found dead in her car. She had gassed herself. Mm. So I was, and I still am angry, confused, hurt, and sad that that student chose to end her life. And I don't know why she did it, but throughout that incident, I kept thinking she did not get the spiritual nurturing and support that she needed Mm -hmm. in this educational process. Nursing education is extremely hard, very hard for students, and they Mm -hmm. need to be supported. And that was really what drove me to write my thesis. Mm. Yeah. And the desires people to feel seen and heard and where they're at. I know. So stories like that, and and I had put the dedication on my thesis for her, for Linda, uh, and I put a Gibran, uh, Gibran quote, If in the twilight of memory we should meet once more, we shall speak again together, and you shall sing to me a deeper song. And, you know, that's what I really believe she did from beyond. Um, Because as I wrote my theses, I kept getting those intuition moments, and these words would pop in my head, and you think, okay, where did that come from? Where did that thought come from? And sometimes I didn't know, and sometimes I just write it down. And, I'm, and and I really believe when I finished it that she was helping me. She was mm. helping me so that future nursing students would get the spiritual support they needed uh, through this. I know. So, yeah, I really feel that. But, I mean, we don't know. We never know. Yeah. And, but, I, and I think that's part of... Um, the underpinning of spirituality is the is God, the great mystery. Okay, I have to tell you that I pull a card for each person, for each session, for both you and I as as I um, <laughs> as I go into recording a conversation. And the card that I pulled is great mystery. And it just is what? Sorry, I didn't hear that. Is great mystery. Yes. <laughs> and I keep coming up and coming up and I'm like, oh man, like I'm not trying to use it, right? It's just here. And I think that's you know, like the underpinning of spirituality uh, that is it, is that we don't know for sure and that there is this faith and this trust that you can't explain that has to be a conscious choice. Faith and trust doesn't happen by accident. It's not something we get to a point and suddenly we're there. It's a choice every time we embrace it, right? It's a choice to see the symbolism in in a bird that shows up. It, we can write anything off. <laughs> we can write any synchronicity off as a coincidence, or we can choose to receive it as a great blessing, as guidance in disguise of of a bird or guidance in this in disguise of a feather that 
that falls from the sky out of nowhere, right? Or as um, the synchronicity of the loss that, you know, from our human perspective, I often look at things in two lights, the, the, that we are a dual being. We are both spirit and divine, and we are and we are also human and physical. And that on the human physical level, there is aching, there is pain, there is sadness. Right? It's not right that <clears throat> that she died. It doesn't feel fair, or it doesn't feel right. But from the from the spirit, the spiritual side of self, the divine side of self, that when we look at the planning to come into a life, the life between physical embodiment into a life that there is this agreement you know like can i just it, it that moves me that a soul would want to experience what it's like to feel unmet to feel so desperate or or like they were they had failed or no purpose or whatever that felt like that they that would move them in that moment to gas themselves and to die that in that moment there's this link and this gift to you of igniting something that leads you on your path and that it's not oh, wow. a wow yeah but exactly. a beautiful gift in both ways yeah and that and that is how we find meaning in it Exactly. Oh, I have stories like that. But it's like the more you allow it, the more it happens, the yeah. more it happens you. And it, you know, in your, uh, one of your podcasts there, you were talking about things being black and white. Mm. And, and they're just not. They're not. No. They're never black mm-hmm. and white. No. And, I mean, I have a master's of nursing. I did all this, they said, did all this research, and mm. and basically I came to the conclusion that, you know, we're continually learning, and we don't, yeah. we can't, we don't have an answer for everything. No. And that's okay. That's part of the wonder, right? It is hard. It is hard for nurses, because as mm. nurses, we we want answers for everything. And yeah. just, listen, I, I have to read you this quick little story. The yeah. one of the students um, told me when she was, when I interviewed her for my thesis. In my thesis, I did phenomenology. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so it's their lived experience of, of events and mm-hmm. meaning it had for them. So she, I wrote it up as prose, and it's called From Black and White to Gray. Mm. It was on pediatrics one day. There was a little girl in a cast. She had been hurt by her own father's hands. I was so sad. I was so angry. How could he do it, that monster? Mm. Then my instructor said something. She said, just one thing. Something so simple, so matter-of-fact, but that something just changed me, imprinted me that day. In that instant, the world became different. No more black and white, only gray. Mm. I said... Her dad probably really loves her. Hmm. And that was like, oh, wow. For this student, that was so powerful because, I mean, we hear about abuse all the time. And yeah. we, 
we tend to judge it, right? We judge it all the time. Yeah. But it is awful as a nurse to experience that, to deal with people. I don't know how many women, abused women I took care of, many mm. of them. And then the abuser would show up with roses the next day. Mm. And I'm like, get out of here. You know, like I, I wanted to smack them. Yeah. But those abusers, they need us more than anything. Yes. They have not had their their spirit honored or met and their spiritual mm. needs met. And it's it's so good when you when you see somebody that's suffering that rather than being judgmental, it's really hard to do, but as nurses we're taught we cannot be judgmental. And so we we have mm. to learn how and so that was yeah, that was just amazing. You know, I think the yeah. oh, I'm looking for the word here. I there's part of me that wants to say the the higher path, and yet that paints it in a very hierarchical, better than, worse than way, and I that is not my intention. But I I don't know the word yet yet <laughs> that mm-hmm. I'm looking for, but um, I think the higher path is never the easier path. Uh, when I, the, the, the path of fear is the path of judgment. It is much easier to judge somebody as wrong and to see things in a black and white way than it is to accept somebody even in their even in their failure or their perceived wrongdoing, it is much harder to love somebody in the midst of that, to accept somebody in the midst of that, to hold space for them in the midst of that. You know, there's um there's a story, um oh God, I still remember the moment I read it. It's a it's a story of um a practice that happens in an African tribal community that still happens to this day, that when somebody does something to hurt another person or, you know, lies, cheats, whatever it is, something so-called black and white is wrong, that instead of chastising and kicking that person into isolation or or, um, blaming or shaming them, what they do is they gather in a circle and put that person in the middle and begin telling them everything that they love about them, that is beautiful about them, that is good and right about them. And I feel like that is the essence of living from from the heart chakra. The heart chakra is about unconditional love, unconditional, right? But in the ugliness, in the pain, in the wrongness, in the rightness, that there is still love there that and in that that weaves the unity the acceptance the peace that we're all seeking it's not about right or wrong it's about an unconditional loving and holding space for somebody and as you say meeting their spiritual needs because anytime i think of this so often in relation to our in in relation to kids that anytime a child is acting up um, mouthy, acting off. There's something out of balance within them. They they are they are feeling unloved or 
unvalued or unseen and it's an aching and I, and I think it exists and get and gets carried through into adulthood from the child who was abused by the parent and the confusion that went along with that we then carry that into our adulthood not having seen it not having honored that aching and that loss or betrayal within the heart and we begin doing that as adults to those who we also love because that's how we've been taught to love and I think you talking about things that it's not black and white it's all shades of gray is exactly where the space of acceptance and and love and unity and peace begins to weave its way back into the fabric of life right and you know you don't always have to talk i mm-hmm. i'm reminded of this story one of my students told me for my thesis um when she was in kenya Mm. So she was at an orphanage working in Kenya, and it was run by nuns. And there was a ward there for disabled women. And she was sitting there, and she heard this this crying, a screaming cry. And they were bringing in a new lady for the ward. And she said she was really upset. And the nuns were yelling at her in Swahili. And mm. she was crying, she was scared, and... The other women, they would swarm her, talk to her, and she just kept getting more agitated. But the student just didn't know what to do because she can't talk to her in Swahili. Mm -hmm. So she just went over, and she sat on the bench beside her, and she took her hand, and she just held her hand. And she sat with her for a while. And then she hugged her Mm. in Swahili. Mm. So... You know, you don't always have to just have the right words. Mm. Sometimes it's just knowing that somebody else cares about you. Yeah. And that can make all the difference. Yes. There's this quote that you had in your thesis I want to weave into this conversation. I feel like it's so fitting right here. If he is indeed wise... He does not bid you enter the house of his wisdom, but rather leads you to the threshold of your own mind. Yes. Yes. And that's, as nursing instructors, and as any instructor, as any teacher, in any Mm -hmm. profession, any time we're trying to pass on knowledge, wisdom, uh, that is the most effective way, is, yeah. If we lead the people to make their own discoveries, it's mm. more impactful. Um, yeah. And emotion is a tool to do yeah. that. Yeah. Because you, you might not remember people's names, you might not remember the dates, the incidents, mm. but you always remember how people make you feel, right? 100%. That never goes away. Never goes away. Yeah. yeah. So resonant right there. So um, I like I liked that saying um, because of that, mm-hmm. and that's what I tried to do in in my theses, is to tell the stories of these nursing students and my own stories to lead people down the path to it's okay to listen mm-hmm. to your intuition. Mm-hmm. We can't always explain it, and yes, the more experience a nurse has or anybody in any field has the more likely they are to 
experience an event that they would maybe say was intuition, and then you don't really know. Is that because of past experience and our conscious putting it all together and figuring it out? But, you know, when that first incident happened to me and I saved that woman's life, I didn't have any past experience to draw. Like, there was nothing. So, yeah, sometimes it just, you can't explain it. Yeah, so. and and maybe it doesn't even need explaining. Yes. Yeah. Even Alexander Graham Bell said, what is what this power is, I cannot say. All I know is that it exists. Yes. Yeah. You know, what is so fascinating to me is the deeper I explore and question and reach into spirituality and intuition and and guidance from beyond is the more I discover and am led to quotes by people who are valued in society for their quote-unquote brilliant mind. Mm -hmm. And at the core for them, if you get into it, all they talk about is intuition. And legit, like, intuition will be within within a statement for them that they can't explain the great mystery, but that's what led them to, you know, study the theory of relativity or like come up with this theory of relativity or of gravity or like Einstein is one of the ones that just that when I came across his quotes around intuition, that was a game changer for me that weaved together science and spirituality and, and knew in that moment that what we've thought of as needing to study and earn our way to brilliance actually has very, very little to do with it. Do you know, I want to share something with you. I don't know why this is, a, is pertinent right now, but it sits here. When I first started my business, um, probably a couple of years in would be more more accurate. I launched a program and I came up with this statement that you would have thought of as original thought. I had not seen it anywhere else. It came from my own my own mind, so to speak. Right. So I shared that and the next day I came across the exact same sentence with the exact same words from a thought leader who teaches hundreds of thousands who is very, very well known. And that caused me such great pause in that moment. It oh completely my God. Oh. That would just send shivers up your spine. It's like <laughs> had I seen that somewhere? Had somebody read that to me when I was a child? Or right. how did because that how did I know that? Right. All the questioning of it, right? Or yesterday morning I had a conversation lined up um for the podcast with a woman and I woke up just feeling so tired and um, my intuition was that today was not the day for the conversation. And so I just sent her a message and said like, hey, this is how I'm feeling. Would it be all right if we rescheduled? And, you know, the ego coming from fear, the human part of self would be like, oh my God, like I, you know, I don't want to seem unprofessional or, um, like, here it is, she's taken time out of her schedule, I don't want to be upset or mad or feel unvalued or whatever, right? Exactly. So share that. Her response, oh, my God, I'm so relieved. That's exactly the way I'm feeling this morning. Ah, uh, 
<laughs> Isn't that just awesome? Yeah. It is, you see, and yeah. and so it's good that you spoke up. Mm. I feel our bodies, Gail, are our oracle. Our our body will tell us exactly, exactly where we're at and where another person is at. And I I teach, um, I have a course around reading cards because reading cards is an integral part of 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 everything that I do. There's always cards involved and. And um, one of the things that I teach women is that your body is the oracle. Stop associating yourself as this body. Begin seeing yourself as having this experience through this body and that your body is freaking unbelievable, so highly tuned. It's like a, a machine or a coat or a vehicle that we put on to experience through. And when we begin to honor the messages it knows way more than we could know. <laughs> Will we begin to honor the messages for what they are, even though they don't seem to jive with where the human mind is thinking or what it expects? Wow. Okay. Now I have shivers. I have shivers because as you were speaking, I opened my thesis because just to another page. Yeah. And there's this poem here by Cahil Gibran, who's one of my favorites. Mm. And I was like, oh, wow, this is just what you're talking about. And I opened this poem. It's like, okay, weird. Um, can I read you the poem? <laughs> yes, please do. Okay. You have me on the edge of my seat. I'm practically on top right. of my well, phone waiting it's, for it's, it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, he says, and a man said, speak to us of self-knowledge. And he answered saying, your hearts know in silence the secrets of the days and the nights, but your ears thirst for the sound of your heart's knowledge. You would know in words that which you have always known in thought. You would touch with your fingers the naked body of your dreams. Mm-hmm. And it is well you should. The hidden wellspring of your soul must needs rise and run murmuring to the sea, and the treasure of your infinite depths would be revealed to your eyes. But let there be no scales to weigh your unknown treasure. And seek not the depths of your knowledge with staff or sounding line, for sea is a self, a sea bought boundless and measureless. I'm going to read that one again. For self is a sea boundless and measureless. Say not, I have found the truth, but rather I have found a truth. Say not, I have found the path of the soul. Say rather, I have met the soul walking upon my path, for the soul mm-hmm. walks upon all paths. The soul walks not upon a line, neither does it grow like a reed. The soul unfolds itself like a lotus of countless petals. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and it's like, okay, that's, you know, his words. But to me, it was saying what you were saying. but in different, oh. yeah. And I had just opened the page to that, and I was like, yeah. what? You yeah. know, there's a, a book. Um, right in this moment, I'm like, I, I can see the designs on the front cover, but the name of the book is escaping me in this moment. It's, Anyways, it's this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful book with just these beautiful patterns on the pages. And you will open it up. And on the left page and the right page are a, a message around a, a certain 
topic. And it's just, there's a kind of a poem and a thought, and then there's like an affirmation on the other side and a practice um, that I've done in the past from time to time is to sit with a question within my heart or um, even just a, an aching a desire for uh, inspiration for the day and allow the book to unfold to the message that is for me. And it, much like you would use an Oracle deck or, um, right, you could do this literally with any book. <laughs> you could literally yeah. do this with any well, book. And, and I, I used to, I, I had this book called, um, oh, Letting It Go, I think. And I, I don't remember the author, but it, and somebody said to me, uh, a, a girlfriend had said every morning she just opens a book to wherever it feels like opening mm. and then she reads the message and she said it's unbelievable how how that message is what she needed to hear at that moment in time and right. so I I have done that too I did it for years and it is so true so it's yeah. It's it, all of the circumstances within the day that we could pull a message out and just place it within our heart on the on the altar within the temple of our heart and allow our soul to just meditate on that for the day. That's right. Yeah. <sighs> all of that. All of that. Okay, Gail. I often think of a conversation as being lots of different threads, but that there is one thread that weaves them all together. So I'd like to bring our conversation together just simmering on, and I ask this not just for you, but for myself, for both of us. If there is a thread that weaves the whole conversation together today for you, what might that thread be? Oh, I think it's just honoring that intuition, even if you can't explain it. Honor it, listen to it, follow it. If there has ever been doubt for you, second-guessing, wavering faith, I think, you know, a truth for me that sits here is that intuition isn't as solid as reaching out and and grabbing onto something that it is different for different people and it shows up in a myriad of ways and a variety of ways and timing and synchronicities and at the end of the day you know i think what is so grounding and so nourishing within this conversation with Gail is that it just holds space for us to begin to rekindle our faith, to rekindle our belief in in the things that we can't see with the naked eye, and to know that somewhere deep inside, it's this practice with self, this listening to that which can't be heard, this honoring of the knowing that sits within us in however, whatever way that it shows up that forms the basis of faith. And it's in the basis of faith that we find the ease and the peace and the flowing and the trust and the sense of 
purpose, fulfillment, and connection within life.